guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into an episode of Queer as Fuck. Yes, we are. Hey, guess what? We are at season two. We made it! Oh my God, I can't believe we made it. Yeah. We are here. And um, <laughs> it was a long journey. I couldn't believe you was torturing me all these weeks so we can get this started. You know, so in the original run of this show, there was like a six or seven month hiatus between the end of season one and the start of season two. So at least I didn't make you wait that long. Yeah, I mean, it's I been like a month or two. Yeah. But, I don't know how we used to do long. that. But, I um, know. It's so weird now in this world of like binge culture and <laughs> and then, like, the, the huge dumps and stuff on Netflix where, like, the whole season is out yes. on day one. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm so impatient that I, yeah. Me too. I'm very impatient. <laughs> I don't know how I ever did that waiting months to a year, six months to a year just for another season. Especially with how they left this one with Justin being bashed. And so you don't know if he is going to survive. Right. And if he is going to survive, you don't know how he's mm-hmm. going to survive. Does Michael eventually go off to follow David yeah, or, or not? because he missed the flight. Well, we saw him at the airport, and he got a phone call. From Brian, yeah, right. So, so he came back, yeah. and then uh, Blake and Ted, like, you know. I'm dying to see that. Yeah, the way that Ted left took off. him to, yes, mm-hmm. to go in to rehab, and not two hours later, uh, Blake had checked himself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a whole lot was going on yeah, when they ended lot. it and just left people hanging. <laughs> now, that was a true cliffhanger right it there. It really was. Like, for real, yeah. they they're wrong for that, but yeah. I mean, it, it got we, us all back. Yes, but we are picking up. So, uh, and they do not disappoint. We start out this episode at Babylon, and it it kind of seems like an odd choice, like knowing how somber things were yeah. when it left off. But I get it though, because it's like it's showing us like things have gone on, or at least seemingly. Mm-hmm. Things have gone on. Things have just moved Almost forward. back yeah, to the normal. The world keeps turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and there's a song playing and the lyrics are like, I'm rising. Nothing can keep me down. And so it almost seems like this like fighter spirit. Like we're going to continue to move forward. Yes. At least it seems like mm-hmm. we are. Absolutely. And so we see Emmett is there with Ted and they are checking out the, uh, the scenery, the men there. <laughs> and uh, for Ted, it's just too soon is what he tells Emmett. You know, he's because he's still reeling from. From things falling apart in a very tragic way with uh with Blake. <laughs> with Blake. Yeah. And so Emmett says, Well, surely there's someone here that you're interested in. And Michael's like, Oh, well, I mean, sorry. Ted. Ted is like, Oh, oh, well, you know, that guy over there in the red and black shirt and the turned uh, up nose. Yeah, the turned up <laughs> nose. <laughs> He's adorable with the black hair. And who is it? But they Michael. Zoom in and it's my baby. <laughs> my love hate baby. My baby. <laughs> Yeah, depending on, yeah, his mood and his actions. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's Michael. And I kind of like that it's this little callback to when, in season one, when Ted had the crush on Michael. Yeah. And so naturally, of course, he would pick out that to be the one guy. How funny. If not Blake, that to be the one guy in the club that he's interested <laughs> in. Um, so they come over and they're catching up because we see, we learn that Michael ultimately did go, did go to mm-hmm. Portland, which good on him, I guess. And so he's back and makes it seem like he's visiting and catching up with his with his friends he knew they would be at babylon <laughs> that's how predictable they are you know he, he knew he was gonna find them all up in babylon yeah <laughs> okay he just knew it like i mean it's after five. Else. where else would they be yeah that part okay yeah. <laughs> that part i mean y'all y'all need to be switching it up okay 
Yo, uh, two I know they could go to Boy Toy or what was some Meat Hook. I'm trying to yeah, think of oh, some yeah, the other ones hook. from. Uh-huh. Yeah, the pilot. At least just go hang out at Woody's one night. Well, you know, they already do Woody's. Oh, they, they start do, from yeah, Woody's and finish. Do, yeah. <laughs> at which, at um, Babylon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so while they're talking, it becomes clear that Michael's checking in with all of his friends. And so he's now has seen uh, Ted and Emmett. So naturally, he's looking for Brian. Brian. And they tell him, you know, no point in looking for him. He's not here. And then Michael's like, well, no, of course, not after what happened. You know, referring to Justin, of course. <laughs> and then Emma's like, no, honey, he's in the back room. <laughs> so, okay. That right there killed me. Okay. Like, take me out. I'm done. I was over. When he said not here, Michael had like a, like, oh, my God, Brian's growing up. He had a whole look on his face. Like, yeah, of course not. He's going to be with Justin. Yeah. And then it was like, baby, no. Baby, no. He in the background. Yeah, which is, the is interesting to think about what Michael did expect to, to find <laughs> with uh with Brian. Like he he you know, Brian's never gone through that before. Mm-hmm. And so but it is interesting to think about what Michael would have been expecting. It right. clearly was not him to be in the back room. Yeah. I mean so, I wasn't yeah. expecting him to be in the back room. When they said back room, my mouth dropped, like, okay, Brian is with the shits again. Okay, like, but he is in the hospital over here, you know, suffering, yeah. fighting for his life and trying to get a recovery going on. And you in the back room? Yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah. So, uh, of course, Michael hears that Brian's in the back room, which means Michael's got to be in the back room. (laughs) Look, thirsty. Michael did not have to go to the back room. He could have waited. He really could have waited. Okay. Yeah. That's one thing that'd be bothering me about Michael. Like, I know. We were talking. It's like, there's something about Brian's zipper. Like, the minute it goes down, Michael, like, apparates to wherever Brian is. Zip alert, zip alert. Yeah, like it's going down. Gotta be there. <laughs> For real. It's falling. It's not coming back up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he does go to the back room, and when he's there, he sees uh, Todd, and we get the the famous, hey, Todd, how's it going, which, of course, was on the season one uh, pilot, first episode of season one also. Back room. Yeah, well, in the back room. Uh, but then we get to the back room, and when we find the, when, you know, it's the normal back room, there's all the sights and sounds of it. But when we, the camera finally finds Brian, when you see him, it's like something ain't right. No, he's like, like a zombie, to be dead. honest. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Like, yeah. he, his face is like dead. Like, his body is there, but no other part of him yeah. is. And I don't think that we've seen him look like no, that before. you can tell that he's mm-hmm. checked out like yeah. his mind is done it's over everything and i mean he is just there trying to keep his mind yeah. busy right or, or, or you know keep his mind off whatever the world is going right. on around him exactly you know? it's just like we were saying like yeah the music's still playing brian's still in the back room you're two guys down between his legs but and so it looks like everything mm-hmm. is fine but if you truly look at his face like no things are not fine yeah, he's he had not no well. light in his eyes mm-hmm. at all like None. i mean it was just zoned out he was not enjoying himself Mm-mm. yeah it was and then he just even the way he talks to michael he's just like hey mikey like michael's been gone for we know at this point we don't quite know how much time but it's been a oh, little so, over a month yeah, like a month, at least a month and a half mm-hmm. and uh because we don't know how soon michael left after the bashing but we assume it's probably still around that time right but he's just like hey mikey whatever yeah this is <laughs> so, too cool and i mean no emotion in his voice at all and this is your best friend of 15 16 years yeah you know? like uh-uh so you can tell he's definitely going through it. Yeah. And he makes a comment here uh, because Michael is kind of like shocked and upset that he's just back here in the back room like everything's fine, like nothing has happened. 
And he said, you know, you're just up to your old tricks. And Brian says, never <laughs> old ones, never the same one twice. And it's like, mm, yeah. that's not actually true anymore. Mm, we Maybe already... not for tricks in general. Yeah, but... true. But, you know, we can't put our baby in the category of tricks because he's not. That's true. He's a one of a kind. That is okay? true. True that. Yeah, he's a one of a kind. <laughs> he ain't no trick. The other ones are these 30-year-olds still doing the same old thing in the back room, begging for Brian to give them a little attention. Right. He'll go out and create the attention and then Brian will notice, yeah. and then Brian is fighting for his. Yeah, so but even in that little comment, it's just Brian automatically trying to separate and distance himself from and distract from anything to do mm -hmm. with Justin. Like he's like, nope, I don't do that. Mm -mm, you know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then he tells Michael that he's not just okay; he's fabulous. Like, don't I look it? And then he gets up to leave because he's done with those guys, and he's he asks for E, and like mm -hmm. everybody is everybody. <laughs> you just see a sea of hands. Yeah, a sea of hands come out with the E. And then there's a little quote about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, a little, little Shakespeare nod there, a little Shakespeare trivia. <laughs> okay, so uh, then we go to, we follow Emmett and Ted, and Michael's with them, and they're going back to Emmett's apartment. And Michael is telling them kind of, that he was so shocked to see Brian in the back room just kind of going on business as usual. And that's what Emmett and Ted tell him, like, oh, he's cut himself off from everyone. It is business as usual. And then Emmett's like, well, when your boy toy gets broken, just get another toy. Because that's what they see. That's mm -hmm. what Emmett and, and Ted see with Brian. They never try to see any deeper meanings in that's Brian, right. though. They never want to get the softer side of Brian. Mm -hmm. I mean, Brian, yes, he's going to put up that hard exterior. You know, mm -hmm. he's going to put that up. But why have they all been friends for years? Why haven't you tried to peel it back? Why right. are you just so content with being, oh, Brian is going to be Brian? Well, and they, they're making it clear, like, he is going, like, even harder, harder in yeah. it now, and so that but should that's a cry for help. Right, that they been the should see it that way. Yeah, but I, but and so, to me, I think they should. Do you think that part of it is because Brian doesn't never let them see that side of it, or should they just be more perceptive? I mean, yeah, I think he never let them see that side. So I mean, yeah, he he never lets them see that side. But as a friend, you have to notice when your friends are giving you little signs that they're not okay, especially after something that traumatic happened. He witnessed someone he cares about. I'm not going to say that's his boyfriend because boy, Brian doesn't do boyfriends. He doesn't yeah. do titles and things like that. But we all know, you know, that they're an item, you yeah. know? Well, at this point, they know that he went to prom. Yeah, and he went to prom and he witnessed Justin, you know, be assaulted violently, very, very mm -hmm. violently. So they need to take the more effort and dig deeper. They clearly can see that, I mean, he's just using this as a, a cover up. He's masking his pain. That's yeah. it. So, I mean, I think it's on them. They need to dig a little deeper with well, him, the same way Michael's doing. Ex and especially because Ted has ne has only seen Brian kind of in one way, but he knows that he knows that in some ways there's a little bit more to Brian because that is the person that he picked to be, to, you know, to, everything over yeah, him. To, if everything yeah, happened to him uh, for his uh, medical director, mm -hmm. but um, for I'm sorry for his power of attorney, but uh, so but so he, yeah, he knows there's more depth to him, but but Emmett is very perceptive, mm -hmm. and if he could read Blake, even though he was harsh and wrong in some ways. Right. If Emmett can read Blake, who they don't know, I feel like there's almost no excuse for him not to, to not be able see to see him. What's now, going yes, Brian on, is hiding it, but Brian has hidden everything about his life since they've known him. Yeah, and I mean Justin could see it, could yeah, see these different things in him. That's what I'm saying. If these, if everybody else can see it from the outside looking in, y'all are inside, right? You know why can't you see it? Why can't you pick it up? Mm -hmm. You know. So and if he has cut himself off, like, I mean, I guess they feel like well, whatever. He didn't want to talk to us, but I just feel like they would be a little bit more like. 
in his face. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, and you, you got to know how to work with Brian. You can't just go to him yeah. and say, hey, what's going on? How do you feel mm-hmm. about this? And I don't know. Maybe they tried that that first week and didn't get anywhere with him. So they just quit. But I don't. Yeah. But I just feel like they should have been a little bit more perceptive yeah. and picked up on like maybe just maybe mm-hmm. he does feel a little bit deeper about yes. this than we think. Absolutely. So I'm right there. That was. Yeah. Same response. Yeah. And th- let me just say this to Emmett's quote. When your boy toy gets broken, get another toy. Justin's not a toy and you can't just replace him so easily. Thank you. Okay. Because some toys are irreplaceable. <laughs> that is right. And Justin Taylor is one of them. He's a collectible. Okay. All right? Let me take off my Justin Taylor squad shirt. Yeah. No, I don't keep that <laughs> on because on. I'm, remember, I started this journey not being a fan of Justin and ended it, I mean, Team J like crazy. For real. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Michael is telling them about life with Hank and David, and he's like, oh, it's great. We go do this. We go do that. Hank and David are getting along. Like, everything's wonderful. And uh, Emmett is telling him, well, yeah, well, while you're doing all that, I've got to find a new roommate. You know, we've got to start paying the rent around here, because maybe Michael paid that first month or two after right. he moved out. And um, the search isn't going so well. I think it's because he has a very interesting interview process. Well, I love his interview process. I was here for all of that. I was, And I was finally happy because we never see Emmett get any play. Yeah. And, and he had them lined up, okay? He really did. Yeah, he had some A1s. I was like, okay. Shit, let me, can I interview? Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me interview the next client coming through, okay? Because you're not doing it right, Emmett. You're not, you're not doing it right. I got you. Yeah, I can just have my like, a stay. Yes. Around. Yeah. The longevity, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go over, we see, well, the camera uh, focuses in on Brian's face. And mm-hmm. we, we just kind of see his face. And he's got this, you know, just this look on his face. And when the camera shifts, we see that he's watching Justin. Justin's in the hospital bed. And he's kind of restless. You know, he's trying to sleep, but he's very restless, very agitated in his sleep. And we see that Brian's at the hospital and he's watching Justin there. And as he's looking at him, he like takes a snort of cocaine or something. Uh, and I think it's just like to help him deal or not deal. I really think Brian he's has numbing like, himself. he is numbing himself. because He didn't know like what to do. And he is, he was terrified of the positive emotions toward Justin. Mm-hmm. And then now having all of this involved, yeah, I think he is numbing himself. Yeah, he is. I will say though, um, we'll let me jump back. So when Brian was having a conversation with Michael and he was being, you know, the usual Brian, a little dickish, um, you know, being insensitive about the situation with Justin and things like that. And then fast forward to the next scene and he's standing at the hospital and no one is even aware that he's coming there. Right. Okay. And he's watching Justin, like he's in the same room. He is there. He has put the effort there. It's almost like giving to charity and no, and no one's broadcasting right. it out because it doesn't have to be broadcasted. You know, that right there. I mean, I went from like, oh, I can't stand Brian again. This is why I don't, this is why we yeah. always clash. You're like, oh my God. I know. Like he, he sends my emotions in a frenzy. Well, and because the nurse is talking to him and it's so familiar and you find out like, He's here, like, all the time. All the time. He's there. And like you said, nobody else knows. Nobody in his life knows. No one knows. Justin didn't even know. No one knows that he is coming there and spending hours just watching over him. Right. He doesn't have to do that. I know. You just think about his day. I mean, he gets up. He goes to work. Which is stressful because he works a stressful-ass job. Right. He probably, he leaves work. He probably goes to Woody's, starts drinking there, 
Then he leaves Woody's, goes to Babylon, mm-hmm. you know, is drinking and drugging there. Yeah. He's got his whatever tricks to fill the time. And then he leaves all that at a certain time. Because you, I think earlier in this episode, you saw him check his watch. Yeah. And so he looks at, because he's like, it's time to go because he probably visiting hours are over mm-hmm. or j- mm-hmm. knows Justin's asleep or he's probably picked up his schedule by now. He knows what his routine is. And he leaves and goes to the hospital and like, that's Brian's life now. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And mm-hmm. like, no, he's not heartless at all. No. <laughs> he, just, he doesn't know what to do with yeah, what's in his heart. Exactly. But and he's yeah. never had to be. Uh, he never had to face a situation like this before. Right. He doesn't even allow, allow himself to get attached emotionally to people like that. Right. You know. So the fact that he let his guard down, he did. This happened. I mean, right. this is all brand new to him. He doesn't know. And then he doesn't voice his emotions. People always think that Brian has it all. So who is he going to turn to? Yeah. Michael left him and went halfway across the country. Yeah. He literally has no one to confide in. So, I mean, yeah, he, he he's going to cope the way that he has to cope. You mm-hmm. know, you made a good point there that I want to come back to. Hopefully, I don't forget but about him letting his guard down. I want to come back to that. Uh, so as Brian is talking to that nurse, we find out that Justin has some trouble with his hand mm-hmm. and that he's having these like kind of violent outbursts almost. And mm-hmm. so he's not unaffected by the bashing. Like, praise God, he's still alive, but he's not unaffected by what happened. Yeah. He's got some not only just the, the psychological stuff, but he has some physical yeah. um, effects. Well, I mean, happened. he was in a coma, you know? Yeah. And as he's in a coma with a, a traumatic brain injury with a TBI, you you don't know how a person's going to wake up mm-hmm. from, from that. Yeah. So true. Uh, the nurse does make a comment that drugs can't fix everything, you know? And but Brian, man, he is sure giving it the old college try. <laughs> I can't believe he was bold enough to even snort a line of coke in the hospital. I think it's because somebody. he's so like he he wouldn't. I mean, Brian's gonna be Brian, but he wouldn't normally do that. I don't yeah. think if it was if he wasn't like so extremely desperate to find some <laughs> kind of numbness, like you said. I don't think right. he would do that. Uh, the nurse says, you know, I think what would help him would be to know that you come here every night, and then Brian. Brian makes look. That's not. That's not yeah, gonna happen. That's not no, an option. It's not. It's not. Yeah, definitely yeah. not an option. Yeah. Uh. So then, um, to lighten things up a little bit, we go over to the diner, and Debbie is there, arms stretched wide <laughs> open, to welcome her son, Michael, in a big hug. Oh my god. And Mel and Lindsay and Gus are also there at the diner. Uh, and it's good to see them together. Mm-hmm. And we never see them at the diner anyway. So Not very often. No, yeah, it's mostly so, the guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the nice to see The fact that they the were out there. and about, I'm glad to see them out on the avenue because yeah. they never come out to late. I never really see, you don't, well, I mean, they've been to Babylon once. Well, Melanie went to Babylon the one yeah. time when it was lesbian night, which is uh-huh. weird. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, you don't see them out and about. But I love seeing them um, and at the diner with Deb that morning. Yeah, because we very much saw them just like doing the domestic life thing in season one. And so here to start out season two, we we do get to see them. The first time we see them is in a different environment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really like that. Uh, and we find out from them that Chris Hobbs' sentencing is coming up. Yeah. Uh, and so as they're talking about that, Debbie points out that she is not at all happy with Brian's behavior because she says, like, he doesn't care and, uh, you know, it's a good thing that she's looking out for him in the rest of the game because Brian isn't because he doesn't care. Right. And then Lindsay says, you know, when they go visit, Justin always asks, where is Brian? And Lin- Melly's Melly. got her standard, <laughs> her standard comeback to that. And um, Lindsay says, look, I'm not defending him, but I do think that perhaps it's too painful for him. You know, kind of like veterans, you know, they see yeah. these atrocious acts and then it's just hard for them 
to deal with that. And that's the thing. PTSD not only affects the injured party, but mm-hmm. the people who witnessed it right. as too. Like that's traumatic too, to see a violent act. Absolutely. Committed. Yeah. I mean, they were having a wonderful night. I mean, I'm not trying to jump back into season one, but we are just in first episode of season two. So, but they were having a, a wonderful episode, I mean, re- a wonderful night. Yeah, they were. I mean, it, it was just beautiful. It was perfect. And then something so beautiful was changed within seconds yeah. over someone being jealous, someone being, uh, you know, homophobic, mm-hmm. insecure within themselves, you know, mm-hmm. not being true and authentic to themselves because we all know about Chris yeah. Hobbs, okay? It, it was just so sudden, so yeah. freaking sudden. I mean, like, they had this magical moment, like you were saying. They shared this very intimate uh, silence, this intimate gaze, and also this intimate kiss at the Jeep. And then Justin's walking off. And just immediately, all of that, like, before Brian could even process just what has happened, just being at the prom with Justin, being here with him. I was loving Brian just watch him walk away in the mirror. I was like, oh, my God. Because he just, like, couldn't stop looking Mm -hmm. at him. He wanted to get that last glance. I'm sure he would have watched him walk all the way until Mm -hmm. he couldn't see him anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And then just to have that be so violently stolen from them and taken from them. Yeah. Uh, Anywho. Okay. I'm going to have to get into that later because I... (laughs) (laughs) Still gets me. Uh, Michael also kind of defends Brian and he says that you didn't see him there at the hospital. Like he was in shock, almost like he himself was was beaten, was attacked. Yeah. Covered in blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just that look on his face, you know, that soul dead look on his face. Like nobody else got to see that. So yeah, they're, they're like, we don't know. We can't really explain his behavior today or why he's not there today, but we know that maybe just maybe there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Melanie and Lindsay get up to leave and they announce that they have dates um, to Lindsay's sister's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> but I can't believe they even did that. I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Like, y'all look happy. I was like, I know we're not going through this again. Yeah, because even Michael's like, uh, did I miss something yeah. while I was away? <laughs> I'm like, y'all need to hold up. Y'all moving too quickly for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then we go back over to the hospital and Justin is there doing some therapy and he's just trying to like roll a ball, just something, uh, such a simple task Justin is trying to do mm-hmm. and is struggling with it and is having, you know, some trouble. But even with that, we find out from the doctor that, you know, he's very determined and he is making a lot of progress yeah. in a short amount of time. I mean, because he was in a coma and then he was in physical therapy. So Four he's like months, just yeah. now up trying to function and regain, mm-hmm. you know, some control over his, uh, over his hand. And Jennifer says, you know, he's determined and he, he really pushes himself when there's something he wants. He doesn't stop until until he gets it. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, well, because of that effort, you know, I'm sending him home. And the, do- the doctor does say, like, I wonder what it is that, that he's so determined to try to get to or try and to reach And we all know what's on his mind, what's <laughs> yes, keeping him do. going. Okay. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, the doctor says that he's sending him home, and then right at that moment, Justin kind of has this outburst, you know, he's, he's, like, cussing and throwing something, and Jennifer's like, are you sure he can go home? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he is struggling to do such simple things, like I said, to to roll a ball, to pick up a paperclip, and this is our Justin, who is, like, strong and brave and determined, and also an artist, Yes. Uh, Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. He's an artist. How is he going to use his hand? It's his right hand, too. Right. He's right-handed. Oh, my God. Yeah. And even if he is ambidextrous, people usually have certain things that they do with with a certain Mm -hmm. hand. Yeah. And yeah. And here he is, like, these very basic things that he's having trouble doing. So he's having to rebuild his life in a lot of ways and face a lot of, hey, you might not be able to do this again. And, you Mm -hmm. you know, there's just a whole lot. Uh, so then over at the wedding, uh, good old Ted and M have, and Emmett have uh, escorted the ladies to, to Lindsay's sister's wedding. 
And all the ladies are eyeing Ted. Girl, I will say, though, Ted looked hella straight, and he looked great in that he suit. Did. did. he not? Yeah. He looked super great. Like, wow. Yeah. They were all giving him the winks and whatever. Yeah. But if, if that was really my date, if I was Melanie, you know, they would have had side eye. Because you, you disrespectful <laughs> in my face like that. For real. You asking like, for a Don't you see me right here? Yes. <laughs> Move on. You asking for a dragon. Uh, but it's good on Ted and Emmett for being good sports about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just going with them. and Because, I mean, yeah, that situation sucks that they have to pretend to be something just to, like, get along with Lindsay's family. But um, I think that's something that Ted and Emmett can relate to, you know, for one reason or another. And so I think that's it's really sweet of them as friends to be willing to do that for them. Yeah, it was. But they can't do the same shit for Brian, though? <laughs> you can't step up to the plate with Brian, but you want to go real? to the wedding, though, to the rich wedding. Yeah. But if you want to go go and be nosy and scout out some some new prospects for yourself. Yeah. But you, you can't you can't do that for Brian? I, yeah, I know it. Anyway, yeah. but no, it was really nice of them to go, and they were good um, good sports about it, too. Yeah. Because they're really compromising themselves. They are, yeah. yeah. So, well, because they're having to pretend to be something they're not, too, exactly. in order to help Melanie and Lindsay be something that they're not. Yeah. Uh, so Melanie and Lindsay are trying not to draw attention to themselves, and uh, Lindsay's parents come over, and they're like... They, you know, Lindsay's mom, Nancy, she hugs Lindsay and she's like, mm, hello, Melanie. And so it's mm. clear that she knows who Melanie is, but she ain't, she don't really care yeah, about her. she's not feeling it at all. Yeah. And so we find out this is her sister Lynette's third wedding in five years. Like, girl, I don't think that it you have you. figured it out. Yeah. It, it ain't, ain't for you. you. <laughs> and it's not them. It's you. Okay? <laughs> you are the common denominator. <laughs> yes. It's not them. It's you. It's not mm-hmm. for you, boo-boo. Take several seats. Yeah. Uh, so then the wedding's about to start and Melanie and Lindsay take off and they're like huddled up together and then they have to remind themselves, oh no, we can't be together here, you know, they have to go back to their dates. Um, back over at the loft, Michael has come to see Brian because he's like, you're going to talk to me. And I saw something here and maybe this isn't the case, but it looks like Brian has on the same outfit. Like this is the next day because it looks like what he had on when he was at Babylon, then at the hospital, right. then it looks like he has on the same outfit, which mm. means he's probably saying like long hours at right. night at mm-hmm. the hospital mm-hmm. uh, because it looks like he hadn't even gone home to shower and change. Well, he, he hasn't showered yet, but it looks like he hadn't even changed his clothes yet. Right. Just an observation that I saw. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but it looks like he saves that much time at the, the hospital. Well, guys, they give y'all some little detective work. Go back to that episode. You know, check out those clothes and leave it to us in the comments. Yeah. Let us know what you think. (laughs) Michael's trying to talk to Brian and Brian is just being Brian. But uh, Michael does make a joke about Tums. And so he can kind of get him to smile, which Mm -hmm. is a good thing that he had because it's clear that his emotions are not in a, (laughs) you know, not in a great place. And so having Michael's familiarity there to at least for that split second, put a smile on his face. Right. I mean, well, that's what Michael's good for. Michael knows when when Brian is down, he knows how to break through. Although he he in his mind he thinks Brian is slacking as a friend um, or partner, whatever the case. He's still there to make him feel happy and upbeat because he knows that Brian walks around like a loner, you know, and he probably feels like he abandoned Brian too, you know, by leaving and packing up and going across the country. So he probably feels like. Damn, I left my best friend. I left him. And then in this time when he really, really needs me. So, I mean, that's what Michael's good for. He's there to build him up. And he know, no one knows Brian better than than Michael, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely in some ways. And then so Brian says to him, because Michael's getting on his nerves because he's being so persistent. Why are you here? And then Michael says, well, I'm, I missed home. I miss being here. 
And he said, I wanted to visit. And so he's like, well, now Brian says, well, you've seen Ted and Emmett and me and your mom. So who else are you going to visit? And then he says, well, I thought I'd go see Justin. And he asks, how is he? And Brian says, well, how should I know? You tell me, basically. Terrible. Uh, And Michael says, well, it might make him happy. And then Brian says, yeah, well, making others happy is hazardous to your health. And he says that just like an offhand comment, but... I think it's a lot deeper than mm-hmm. that because it's actually kind of true for him. Like he, part of him going to prom was to, to make, make Justin, Justin happy and look at what happened. Yeah. yeah. And so he throws it out there, but this is what Brian does. He throws things out there like he doesn't mean anything by it. And we're like, no, sir. There's some, there's we some know real that, meaning behind yeah. that. It mm-hmm. was some thought, some meaning and some hurt behind that. Yeah. Well, Brian's able, able to convince Michael that they need to just, they should go to Woody's. Like, hey, you're back here in town. Let's go hang out. We can go talk at Woody's. And he tells them, like, I need to go take a shower. So that's what I thought about. You know, the clothes are probably the same. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go take a shower and goes up to his bedroom. And then Michael Girl, follows him over there. And I'm like, look at you, Michael, with y'all looking self. Yeah, I was like, why? I said, at first I was like, why is he walking up to those windows like that? Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? And then you could see in his eye, he had that sneaky, like, I'm finally going to get my sneak peek. Yeah, because he's been missing it. Yeah, he ain't like, seen that yeah, body. Nah, he ain't in, seen it in, in, in a month <laughs> well, or so. Well, yeah. Well, and those two guys were in his way at Babylon the night before, so he didn't get a good look. Yeah, true. So I'm just like, Michael, you are forever a creep. You're never going to have him. Step back. Yeah. And he was gawking, girl. Yes, drooling. he was. But aside from that, we see Brian. He takes his shirt off, and it's revealed that he has been wearing that blood-stained scarf under his clothes and it's like oh Brian yeah like he's deep oh yeah yeah that hurt is deep Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I mean and of course that's like you know the albatross remember that book we read in junior high right but uh it's this just reminder of that that guilt that's on him you know that's sitting heavy on his shoulders that he feels so guilty about Mm -hmm. he's not said that word but in everything that we see him doing it's, it's becoming more and more clear that he feels so guilty about what happened to Justin. True. And so as Michael's there just trying to get him a perverted little peek, he, he sees, yeah. oh, crap. And turns yeah. his face. Yeah. And so he, and then at that point, he's like trying to look away. He doesn't want to be right. caught looking because, mm-hmm. yeah, you saw Brian naked, but not naked in physical sense. No, yeah, in, the, in like part. an emotional sense. You saw him stripped yeah. naked on the emotional level. Yeah. So then we... uh we see Vic and um, Debbie and they're walking up and we find out that they're outside of Jennifer's condo and all the reporters are there harassing Vic and Debbie, trying to get answers from Jennifer because Justin has just been released home and in their area, probably where they live, this is like big news. You know, mm-hmm. this kid was bashed at prom and so, you know, they're trying to get, you know, everybody's trying to get their story. Darn reporters. And so Deb and Vic make it in the house and they're catching up with Jennifer and while they're out there, um, Somebody bumped into Debbie and made her waste some of her pasta. Uh, so they're down there talking, and Justin comes downstairs, and this is the first time that we're actually like getting to, to see, see him, getting to see him, and it made my heart so happy to, <laughs> to <laughs> see too. him. Yeah, but he made my heart so happy. He was upbeat. He had yeah. a beautiful smile on his face. Mm-hmm. He was so happy to see the gang. Well, you know, Debbie and Vic. Um, it was just a, a wonderful scene, and it, it was forever since we actually got to see him through the episode. Yeah. So, because we've the first seen time. him just struggling, we've seen yes. him struggling to move a ball, struggling to pick up a paperclip, struggling, you know, in his sleep, you know, and so just to mm-hmm. see him kind of standing there, and so Debbie is Debbie feels like gosh, like it's so good to see you, and then 
she says to see you uh, upright and you know all this stuff see you looking fine he says well i am fine and he says don't i look it and you see there's like a little bit of this insecurity mm-hmm. because i think that's important to justin he doesn't want to be seen as a, as weak or right. as a victim mm-hmm. or as someone who's been attacked like and so he i think he's working really hard to make it look like he's okay he's strong mm-hmm. and He's sufficient on his own. Yeah, which has just been like a whole theme in this episode, like trying to make it look like things are okay. You know, uh, Brian's doing that. Justin's doing that. Someone else is doing that. We'll maybe talk about it in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, as Debbie moves in to hug him, Justin is triggered when he sees that pasta that looks like blood on her shirt. He is instantly triggered and just kind of recoils and, you know, goes over into a corner. It's like, well, maybe he's not as fine as as he said. It's still still a little soon. Yeah. Still a little soon. And that was just a sad moment for me. Yeah. To see that. I was thinking, like, God, it's going to be a long recovery for him because Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of triggers out there for him. Exactly. And you don't know. That's the thing. Like. A lot of times with uh, with trauma, like, you don't know what's going to trigger a person. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just pasta sauce. You don't you don't ever know what's going to trigger you. And so, yeah. Then we see Justin and Daphne, and Daphne's driving them somewhere in her little car. And I think it's easy to forget that Daphne would have been affected by this too. You know, she's in there at the prom, and mm-hmm. Justin and Brian are probably like, "Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna walk out to the car. Right. I'll be right back." And then you imagine her sitting in there. And then probably seeing a rush of people going outside and maybe there are ambulances there or whatever. Right. And then to, to discover out, yeah. that is my very best friend. She's affected by this too. Um, so I just don't want to forget to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. With her. Uh, but um, Justin is telling her that everyone is infantilizing him. He's like, they keep asking me, am I okay? And they're babying me and, you know, I don't like it. And... We know that's not Justin. He doesn't like that. He wants to feel independent. He wants mm-hmm. to feel like a man. Um, and so we find out that he snuck out <laughs> again to go to Liberty Avenue, <laughs> uh, kind of like in the in season one, episode one. And there's faithful Daphne taking him. I was a little upset with her. I mean, I understand she wants to be that ride at our friend and I understand that he has been, you know, working hard. He's been locked up in a hospital, whatever the case, but it is too soon. And if you're not gonna go with with him, I mean, you're literally just throwing him out to the streets. I don't know. I just yeah, no, I get him. exactly where you're coming from, but it's it's like that. It's that tricky thing because we know how determined Justin is. So yeah, if she he wasn't was gonna, gonna do take it, it, no matter what, he was gonna find a way to get there. Mm-hmm. And so she was probably thinking, well, at least I know where I dropped him. I can mm-hmm. account for where I, I dropped him off at. Mm-hmm. You know, it, definitely, you don't want to leave him in some stranger's hands. Not after right. what all has happened. Anyway, and as we're watching the scene, as we were watching, you and I were talking about just the difference between Justin in 101 mm-hmm. and Justin in 201 as he's on on Liberty Avenue there, you know. And before, like, he was just kind of soaking in all the, the vibrancy and the sounds mm-hmm. and all of that and the different people and like, so much movement, so much happening. And the light in his eyes yeah, because people everything trying was brand to new. To him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like fast light. It was like he was the first time in a big city and all the bright lights. It was like an attraction. Uh, and, and this is 101, you know, and he was looking around. And then we get to see him, you know, after the accident and um, in 201. And I mean, le- definitely the confidence he does. It's like, it's, it's kind of missing, you yeah. know, um, he doesn't, he doesn't walk the same, that, that same mm-hmm. little walk with that up high, that proud, that chest high mm-hmm. that I know I'm Justin. I know I'm fine. Yeah. He he was lacking that. And this one's like his comp. He's at ground zero. Yeah. His footing is unsure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all too much for him to take in. And it, he's like, he tries to turn in on himself. Like he is able to light himself a cigarette when Daphne drops him off. But instead of it just being like. 
taking an inhale, you know, just kind of strolling through the night. It's like he's trying to use that to calm himself, yes. you know, to gear himself up for this. But he is that determined to go and fr- find Brian Kenny, you know, that he's willing to subject himself to these things that probably scare him, that make him uncomfortable, make him feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. But he's just thinking, if I can get to to Brian, you know. And the way they filmed this one this time, it made it seem like... um he, he, he was in a fog, you know, yeah. the way that ever the people were coming in front of him, it almost gave him like a, a drunk haze. Right. You know, like he didn't know where he was. He was a little delirious mm-hmm. because maybe he was having anxiety attack. And then he did have a ton sure. of people coming up to him. Maybe he's not ready for, you know, contact from people. Yeah. He well, know. yeah, that so, people touch. Yeah. Because even with Debbie, he was a little bit like, eh. yeah, it was a little standoffish. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's Debbie, you mm-hmm. know, so. Right. I mean, he, he was living with Debbie until he ended up in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so yeah, totally, totally different, Justin, in a lot of very obvious ways in this episode. Uh, so then we go inside of Woody's and Brian is like crazy drunk already because he's like barely staying up on the, on the stool mm-hmm. and Michael's talking to him about his domestic life. And, uh, and, but what I notice is that we don't, I don't know that we've seen Brian that drunk. Yeah, no, we haven't. We have, we have not. Yeah. Well, we've already said this, but he just got like that much going on to where like this is not a, a Brian that we're used yeah. to. We're used He's to at the at all. end of his rope is yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Brian normally is the the calm one. He doesn't need alcohol to to get anything he needs at all. Yeah, I mean, he'll he's have be a it soci- just because yeah, he's, he's, he's you know he's out, he's partying. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll have he'll drink this, he'll take that, snort this, or whatever. But he's usually more very much in control of what he's consuming. Yes. you know. And now uh, he's out of control. Exactly. Yeah. And then even Michael says, you know, you're a fall down mess. And then Brian's like, I'm beautiful. I'll always be beautiful. You said it, that's what you told me. You said it yourself. And I think Michael didn't even answer. Right. No, he didn't. Yeah. Well, and I think because he's kind of seeing, even though he's not getting a clear picture of what's going on, he's starting to see like something is yeah, not right something's here. Something's just not right. It's a, Something's a little off. Yeah. And I think Brian knows that Michael will do the prodding that Emmett and Ted and even Lindsay and Melanie have not done, that Debbie has not done. He knows that Michael will do that. So he's like, why don't you go back to David? I'm fine. Don't mm-hmm. worry about me. Yeah. Going back to your domestic bliss. Basically. But he was baiting Michael with that question right there. Go back. I mean, I'm fine. Just go back to my. Go back to David. When are you? No. When are you going yeah. home? Uh-huh. You know, like, when are you leaving? <laughs> or, or, or yeah. something like that. Uh, he was he was baiting Michael because he can read through all that Maybelline. He knows <laughs> <laughs> he knows that Michael is here for alternative reasons. Yeah. You know, so well, and even. But then also Michael knows him. And so he says, you know, why haven't you gone to see Justin? Just ask him point blank. Like at this point, Michael's like, clearly you're Mm -hmm. bothered by this. Why haven't you gone to see him? And Brian says, because there's nothing I can do for him. That's his answer. And I get where he's coming from. But and he again, this is one of those layered things that he's saying, like, yeah, no, because he is in the hospital. He's getting the care that he needs. There is nothing as far as like being a doctor or therapist mm-hmm. or whatever that you can do for him. But your presence would be very important and very, you know, helpful to him. But, but Brian just, I think he, I think that's an excuse. He says there's nothing I can do for him. And and yes, he feels that way. I think also part of it is like, there's nothing I can offer him. When I tried to show up and be there for him, you see how that ended. So yeah. clearly there's nothing good that I have to offer him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Justin walks in and when people see him, they recognize Justin around Woody's and around Liberty Avenue. Mm-hmm. And so people come over to him and they're asking him questions about 
about the the court hearing coming up it's and about overwhelming yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, and they they I mean they literally have him backed into a corner, right. you know, just all attacking. And if him it wasn't for Michael looking up and seeing him and saving yeah. him, they would have all been surrounding him. Yeah, and I like that Michael does go over and come to his aid because. We know if this was vindictive, Michael from season one. Yeah, no, he would have left him there for the wolves. <laughs> he sure okay? would have. Yeah, like, see, you should stay home. Go away. <laughs> no one wants you here. For real. But I do like that. Uh, sometimes Michael's able to walk away from that part of his personality, and he can go over there and lend and render some aid to mm-hmm. him. Uh, well, so then Brian kind of sees this commotion or hears it, and he looks over there at him, and they lock eyes. And Justin is looking at him, but all, his eyes then drop very just for a minute. And it's almost like he's unsure and mm-hmm. embarrassed because Justin knows that he's not, even though he's been trying to pretend to be fine and okay. And hey, let's just keep moving on. Right. He knows that now he's kind of bruised and battered in mm-hmm. some ways. And then Brian, there's a look on his face and he looks scared out of his mind. <laughs> what do you think Brian's thinking? Um, thinking like, wow, now I got to face him. Mm-hmm. it's been a month and I didn't well he doesn't know that I didn't come to see him so what is his reaction going to be to me right you know um, wow he looks so good I wasn't I wasn't ready for it you know um, he's brave he's already out and about mm-hmm. so I, I think those kind of things are exactly going yeah because yeah like you said like it, I think part of it he's wondering how is Justin going to feel about me like what's he going to think about me not only because I wasn't there but Brian is feeling guilty like mm-hmm. this was his fault. Like, does Justin feel that way about me? Like, has he just been trying to get to me to confront me about right, this? Right. I feel like there could be a little bit of that. Yeah, and it's just like, it. yeah, it is sudden. He was not expecting to see him at all. Yes, he's been going to see him every night, but that's been on his terms. And knowing that Justin is not looking at him and not trying to talk to him. And now, all of a sudden, here he is. He sees me and I see him. He and sees me face. seeing him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love, I mean, they're and, connected. Those yeah. Connected. I think it was, I think he really was scared out of his mind, just kind of frozen and not at all sure how to yeah. handle that. How to situation. approach the situation. He didn't, I think, yeah, he was just frozen, lost. He was shook. He, he was, was very shock. much shook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so back at the wedding, uh, the drinks have been flowing and the social niceties are going out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay has had enough of playing nice and uh, Emmett's over there in the bushes with the usher. <laughs> you know what? Leave it to Emmett. Come through, baby. I live for Emmett, okay? Yeah. I'm going to live vicariously through you, okay? <laughs> out in the bushes. Anybody come? Yeah. For real, girl. Mm-hmm. Got up wiping his lips. Okay, bone off her <laughs> yeah, feet. Yeah, hopping over the bushes. <laughs> like over there. Yeah, yeah Emmett's like, feet. look, I might have to, you know, tell some lines, but I'm going to be me. <laughs> yeah, that part. Uh, and so Lynette comes over. That's Lindsay's sister. She comes over and thanks Lindsay for not, she's like, thank you for not, in, and Lindsay basically finishes her sentences for not embarrassing you. Um, well, no, I think Lynette actually says thank no, you for not embarrassing said, me. Yeah, yeah. She says that. And then she says, well, not, not that I have anything against Mel and you know that I adore Gus. And then she's like, I just don't think people should be subjected to, and Lindsay says, my undignified lifestyle. And it's just like, excuse you, Lynette, you are the one making the biggest mockery of matrimony. That part. You know? But she shaded her too, though, because she said, um, for the third time or your third wedding. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. said that to yeah. her. That's what I'm saying. So. Yeah. Lindsay, she'd had enough of the wine, that pink uh, wine they were drinking mm-hmm. <laughs> or pink champagne, whatever it was. So sparkling rosé. Um, yeah. So yeah, she was ready rose. to, yeah, uh, ready to give some comments. So and she also says that she reminds Lindsay that she's giving the toast, and uh, so then we see Lindsay giving the toast, and she, as she's thinking about what to say, just taking in this situation, 
well, you can tell me what you think, but she's probably thinking this is her sister has done this three times and it's something that she is not allowed to do even once. Once. And she's like, and I'm the one expected to be on my best behavior and not embarrass people and not shame the family. Seriously. I mean, come on now. I've always had this argument. This is ridiculous. You don't, you didn't want to give, you know, gay and lesbians the right to be married, but we're the ones staying together while the straight heterosexual couples are, you know, not even honoring, you know what I'm saying? Or even taking Yeah, they're not honoring their vows. Not even honoring (laughs) that, you know what I'm saying? The ones that they're allowed to take. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not treating it like it's a true, uh, like a true, what is the word I'm looking for? Um. A true commitment. Thank you. Like a true commitment. You're not treating it right. But you're telling me that I'm not allowed to get married and I'm showing my love every single day. But you have people who are able to do it. Yeah. I heard making a mockery of it. She's married three times within five years. Man, get it together. Okay, you don't know what you want out here in life. You don't know. You don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, and you're it's on just a big like, party. why is Lindsay the embarrassment? I mean, to me, that would be embarrassing. To me, to be like, really, y'all gonna send me another wedding invitation yeah, for real? Exactly. Like, I didn't even get to send you an anniversary gift because y'all were divorced before that part. <laughs> that okay. Part came and around. you know what? This time, I'm not bringing you no damn for gift. Real? It's like the baby shower. You didn't have <laughs> two kids already. I'm not bringing nothing to the baby shower. You can hand me Recycle, reuse, recycle. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not bringing you nothing. Um, but but so during this, I think Lindsay is a little bit caught up in the moment, but also feeling a little bit bold because clearly she's been tap dancing to the demands of her family for many years, or at least when she wants to be around them, be involved in what they're doing. And so she asks Melanie to to marry her, and Melanie looks like totally alarmed. You're like, oh my gosh, can't believe Lindsay's she doing was that. Yeah, yeah, she was not expecting that at all. Yeah, and also it has to be a slap in the face too. Like, why would you even invite me? And you want me? I don't think she would even say anything like that if they didn't make her bring dates. Yeah, you know. Well, like, and Lindsay could have gone on her own, but that would have been miserable because clearly none of these other people were trying to interact with Lindsay. Yeah, and so she wanted to go with somebody who she wanted to be with. Well, she couldn't just sit beside Melanie, so she thought, okay, if we have Ted Nimmit there, that creates this buffer. Right. But still, though, if they would have never. Uh, forced her to bring male um, companions with them as dates. I don't think she would have addressed it. But the fact that she had to switch up and do something totally, um, you know, different than what she normally would have done. Right. Um, she literally pulled to the side to say, "I'm so proud of you for not embarrassing me." That's for, another. That, yeah, you didn't have to come over here and yeah, do that part. You didn't have to say that at all. Um, three. You have not treated my partner with any type of respect. You know, you haven't been nice and friendly. You've been fake and phony. Um, that's another one. And then the parents, the way the parents treated her right. when they walked up on them. Like, I was just like, uh-uh. So it'll make you want to rebel. That's like yeah. when somebody tell you, you can't do it. No, I'm going to show you. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> exactly. that's what happened. That's the way I took it. No, I think you are 100% right. Yeah. Uh, so over at the loft, Justin and Brian are there. And... Justin is talking about his injury and he's telling Brian, you know, oh, well, the doctor said if it would have been like half an inch this way or if it would have been over here or over here, I could have been died. I could have I could have died or been paralyzed or whatever. And Justin's just kind of talking through this. And Brian looks like he's about to be sick. He can barely look at Justin. Yeah, he is just very uncomfortable. And then Justin tells him, they say I may never draw again. And Justin just says it like, Like hey, they said I might never draw again. Yeah, like it's nothing. And uh, Brian I was trying to participate in this conversation, but is very uncomfortable and unsure. And so he's like, well, you know, they say that all the time. So that way when it happens, um, it'll be like this huge miracle or whatever. And then Justin stops 
beating around the bush and just asks him, why didn't you come see me? And Brian says, what for? Uh, and Justin tells him, well, I was in a coma for two weeks and I had rehab. Like there was all this time that I was away in the hospital. Like, didn't you care to know what was going on? And then Brian says, well, I'm not your I'm not your occupational therapist or your your trauma counselor or, you know, your surgeon and all this. I he says, you. nothing I could have done for you. And again, I think this is just Brian trying to hide behind something. I think this is he's not going to say, hey, there's no, I don't feel like there's anything I can offer you. Like, I don't feel right. like I have anything good to offer you. He's not going to say that. So I, it was just him hiding his feelings. He, yeah. He didn't want to say, hey, it was my fault that you got attacked. I couldn't face you. I felt like if I wasn't there, then that would have happened to you. I mean, you you almost was gone, yeah. you know, because of me. And that's what he's going through. It's the guilt. He didn't want to tell him that I felt guilty about being there. I felt guilty that you were attacked because of me being at your prom. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's the other thing, because we talked about this. Brian tends to show his feelings or emotions whatever through doing you know um he'll he'll do things people he'll pay for gus's child care he'll do he'll throw this party so michael will leave him and go with david you know Mm -hmm. he shows it through doing and so he's like no i couldn't do anything for you like it's like he doesn't feel like he himself is enough just him being there that's his love language yeah yeah no it it is but i also think it's something that became convenient for him yeah it is how he expresses love i think but also it's just but when he feels like he can't do that, then he doesn't know another. Yeah, he doesn't have another he, option. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't have yeah. any another way to. Yes, that way or yeah. Norway. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so then Justin tells him that he doesn't remember anything. He tells him that the last thing that he remembers is asking Brian to prom and Brian turning him down, which is probably like a huge blow to Brian. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, he had this whole internal journey that led him to walking into prom. Mm -hmm. And so I'd imagine that is a huge blow. And then even for poor Justin, like to have that be the last memory. That you remember. And then waking up knowing that you were bashed. Like, man. Yeah, but he he tells him that last thing I remember is you telling me no to prom. But then Daphne tells me that, you know, we cut it up. Yeah, that you, know? that you did show it. But before we get to that part, like Brian's brows kind of furrow because I don't know if he knew that bit right. of information that Justin couldn't remember anything. And so Brian's like, you know, like he's just taking that in and mm-hmm. you see him like, oh, wait a minute. You know, and I think he hates that that's the last thing right. that Justin remembers him being a jerk or not even a jerk, but just letting him down you know that's that's the last thing you remember is me letting you down well i'm happy that he doesn't remember anything though so i mean like he can kind of erase that trauma he can only have trauma of what people have already told him but if he doesn't remember being hit he doesn't remember seeing you know he don't remember anything negative from that night yeah but sometimes that creates his own kind of trauma because there's this fear of i don't know what happened i just i know something's different i know that i get triggered but i don't know what it is or Mm, why something triggers me so even so sometimes that absence of memory can be just as traumatic but yeah like you said justin tells him well daphne told me that you did show up and that we danced and Mm -hmm. it was great and brian's like we were all right and again (laughs) that's that flippant you know but he knows they were way more than yeah it was a whole moment right there um so justin starts going through the story of like we danced and i went out to the jeep and then i was walking away and that's when chris hit me and then brian cuts him off he's like i thought you did I thought you can remember anything. And I think Brian, it, it hurts Brian to hear it. Right. I think, you know, he's like, I thought you can remember anything. And Justin is telling the story like it happened to someone else mm-hmm. you know, because, because he can't remember it. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this is also Justin trying to move on, trying to move forward, trying to act like everything's okay. Yeah. So then Brian says, well, I can remember, I can remember everything. And as Brian is telling the story, Justin can hear the anguish in his, in his voice. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's posture. Like, he's not looking at him while he's talking. He's got his back to him. And uh, he's telling him, retelling the story. And then he walks through the whole thing that happened, that, which I cannot Girl, do. that's just, ooh, why they do that flashback I like know, that? I know, I can't, just, I can't. Mm. And then Brian says, there's nothing I could do. And he, he, this is like the third or fourth time he said that this episode. But Justin knows Brian. Yeah. And so he immediately comes over to him and he says, it wasn't your fault. Because, like I said, he knows him and he knows that that's what the issue is. That's why Brian keeps saying there's nothing I could do. What did you want? Me? Why would I show up? You know, Justin right. knows what's going on. And so he says it to him again. He walks over and gets in front of him, looks him in the eyes, says, it wasn't your fault. And then he hugs Brian. And it has been so hard for Justin to touch anybody. And but, I think yeah. that's Brian included because there's a little bit of hesitancy. It didn't seem natural like they normally right. normal embrace. It felt a little awkward a little off right even the embrace that brian even put on his you know touch grab yeah. him but it wasn't a full-on hug it was like this one hug it was it was an embrace but it wasn't like you know this is not their normal yeah, yeah but i think because there's so much for for justin he was doing this to, to i mean he's trying to offer comfort to brian as he is struggling with right. all of his stuff like he cares about this man so much that he wants to provide him comfort even at his at his own expense which is something that brian does quite uh, here and there for people uh but i love that moment and i love that it's awkward for them because that felt right and natural mm -hmm. in that moment like i hate that they're at that point but it did feel right right in that moment. no seriously even the, yeah <laughs> okay so then back at emmett's apartment emmett this is after the wedding and you know it's dark in the apartment and emmett walks in with uh the wedding the usher from the wedding but <laughs> what's important to me is that he has two slices of cake on fine china yeah <laughs> like it was my best friend bringing home cake and fine china <laughs> baby he brought her home fine china and two slices of cake because um yeah. his little cake that he brought home oh, no, right three back. slices of cake because yes. he had two plates of cake yeah. so and then yeah, so three plates okay <laughs> Wow. And then the little okay. usher, yeah, he had three plates of cake. Very, very <laughs> impressed with Emmett. You did that. Yeah. Okay, he should be thanking um Lindsay's sister. Oh, and a centerpiece. Yeah. So this is how you go to a wedding. Okay. And, you know, Emmett is so ghetto, too. He's, he bring out the hood. He done took stuff home with For him, real? okay? Like, I'm coming yeah. up with a centerpiece. I'm getting me a piece of this china. For real. Okay. I had to come up in here and play straight. Yes. Like, I'm cleaning I'll up. I just compromised all my integrity. <laughs> I'm getting me some. That's right. I am not leaving it to hand it. Uh, and so then he tells little Usher boy that he's going to go give uh, his roommate, give Michael a slice of cake. Mm -hmm. Well, he goes in there and uh, Michael is having his own slice of Girl, cake with a man who does not look like David. To does me. not look like David. Mm -mm. Okay. Doesn't look like David. And Michael was enjoying it. Yeah. Okay? And so again, going back to that theme, like I said, there are three people in this episode or at least three people pretending that everything's okay yeah. when maybe it is not. It is not. Yeah. That right there, I was like, I was Girl, shut up. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was dead. Like done. Like I'm I'm shook. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on now. Like Michael just doesn't seem like you. Like you're switching it up. No, normally you're predictable. I know what I can count on you for, but you over here with a whole new man. You like a whole thought out here in these streets. Yeah. Like my God. But he was getting it. Yeah, he yeah he was getting it or You're getting, getting it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's more accurate. Uh, so then we see Brian drives Justin home, and Justin tells him thank you, and Brian says for what, and he says for the ride, and 
for saving me. And Brian's like, I didn't save you. And he says, well, no, tonight, you know, that's mm-hmm. like from, from Woody's what was going mm-hmm. on there. But also Justin knows him. He's not going to take a thank you because Brian did save him. Say he, because if, if Brian would not have been, if he w- didn't mm-hmm. call the ambulance and also if he would not have been there to stop Chris Hobbs, I think you we think talked Chris about hit this. Him several times? I think so. Oh my God. That's because terrible. he didn't move away. Like I could see if it was like a hit and run thing where he like, hit him and then ran off. But right. no, he was still standing around there, you know? And Brian had to push him down. Yeah, and, and hit him, hit him in the knee. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like he did, not just by calling ambulance, but by being there mm-hmm. and stopping Chris Hobbs. Saved him. I do think he saved him. And mm-hmm. I think Justin knows that because he's heard the story and he was told the story. And, and also maybe Brian doesn't want to be treated like he... A hero or anything. Yeah, you know? I think that's part like of that. it too because he feels, he still feels like he failed. Yeah. Because he didn't prevent it from happening mm-hmm. and he feels like it's his fault because he showed up at prom mm-hmm. and so he does feel like, he feels like he caused it and he failed at protecting him which yeah. I think it was in like episode 117 the one where Justin tells him like not as long as I have you to protect me and we see that Brian takes that role seriously. Um, that's the one with Chris Hobbs did, again, right? Yes, yeah. it is when mm-hmm. Chris Hobbs came to, to Liberty this, Avenue. To Liberty I think. Uh, and so he does feel like he failed at that and that's something... Uh, a comment I wanted to make. So a lot of times for kids who grew up in abusive homes, we know that Craig, I'm sorry, not Craig. Uh, he's dead to me. I don't know why I thought about him. <laughs> but Jack Kenny, Brian's father, was physically abusive to him. Yeah. We know that Joan Kenny was abusive in her own yeah, way. And so a lot of times kids who grew up in abusive homes, because they couldn't protect themselves, they start to protect other people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why we see Brian be that way with Michael. Right. Uh, and that's why he's that way with Justin, too. And mm-hmm. so if he feels like that's the only thing that he can offer and he failed at offering that to Justin, then yeah, naturally he feels like no, I didn't say failure. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they uh, Justin asks him if he's gonna see him again, and Brian's like, yeah, you'll see me again. And Justin says, you know, well, don't wait too long because at this rate, who knows how long I'll be around? Just trying to you know lighten the mood, make a light little joke. But I don't think Brian thinks he's it's not funny. catching. He's not thinking anything is hilarious no. at the moment. Mm-mm. But I love this. It goes back to Justin being a soldier yeah. and a trooper. I mean, he's the one who was physically assaulted, right? You know. Who's having to go through a, a, a court case, right? Re- regaining his motor skills, you know, regaining his confidence back, you know, um, just trying to get his everyday normal life. I mean, he could completely have lost his drawing ability. That's his right. passion, you know. Mm-hmm. But well, and the thing that thing in him that makes him Justin yeah. that is either missing or buried now too. Yeah, I think it's just missing because my baby's a fighter, so I know yeah. he's gonna find it back, and that light is gonna shoot through his beautiful little body of his, and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be back. And um, but the fact that he's trying to soothe, you know, Brian's feelings, it just it just it, it speaks to his character exactly. And I just love Justin and he, the fact that he's trying to make it lighthearted, upbeat. Yeah, because he reads Brian so well, he knows how Brian is feeling. Like he is the only one who has told him this is not your fault. This whole episode, he's the only one who told him that. Yeah, where everybody else was saying Brian is an ass, Brian is a dick, Brian he doesn't is care. This. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the only one who's told him that. But also, he knows that Brian can't do too much of the heavy straightforward emotional stuff and so justin is constantly trying to lighten the mood or redirect the conversation or shift it here shift it there and now true he's dealing with his own stuff so maybe he's not doing it quite the way that he would have done it in season one Mm -hmm. but he still knows enough about brian and cares enough about him to make sure that he is comfortable and reassured too that part uh so when he drops him off jennifer comes out the door and it's clear she was worried because justin basically ran off you know he says he left a note but he, yeah but he was gone the whole damn day yeah <laughs> like, 
And poor Daphne, she probably locked herself in the closet so nobody would ask her any questions. Yeah, because you know, Jennifer then pulled up. Jennifer knows exactly okay. who took Justin wherever yeah. he went. Yeah. And she she eyes Brian. She's kind of looking at him like, oh, you again. Yeah. I can't believe you. And Brian is looking at her but kind of like not looking at her yeah. he knows that she doesn't probably, look over there yeah he's like yeah it's like she is not happy with me not just for tonight mm-hmm. but for the past several months and it seems like every time you get with justin he switches up on me you know yeah. like he was at the house he was being sweet he was eating you know he was doing all that and then one glimpse when of you, you come up yeah he disappears all night right you know he's gone like what you're not gonna do is come take my baby again and you know she's probably she wants to probably put some blame on him yeah. knowing her because she didn't want that situation in, in the first place do you think and maybe not but you know justin wasn't going to go to prom but it was debbie and vic and jennifer and her, pushing him, him yeah, encouraging him to go. to go do you think they thought about that at all like later you know after what i happened? mean hopefully we'll get to uncover some of that in season two because i forgot about that scene but you're, whole, you're totally right because he said he was not going to go to prom I, 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 maybe, I think that's what she's kind of going through now. She's blaming Brian as well because he kind of introduced Justin into the, the lifestyle that she didn't approve of, but he also gave him his confidence that he needed. But he's on, he's on this path where I'm going to do me. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. But then she's guilty on her own because they kind of like, I ain't going to say forced, but they put the whole prom idea in his head when he had no desire to go to prom. You right. know, they didn't think that he was going to go with, a male choice, mm-hmm. you know? They thought he was going to ask some girl or just go with Daphne, but the fact that he's so bold and brave, he asked the male to come, and then this happened. Yeah. Um, they, they better reflect on that because he wasn't going to go. Yeah. It was the three of them. Yeah, you know I feel so? like it has to be at least a passing thought, just like, dang, maybe this wouldn't have happened if we hadn't encouraged him him to go, but I don't yeah, know. Just, just the, a thought, just something to consider. Hopefully they all think about that. Yeah. Uh. So then, oh, back at Emmett's apartment, Michael is there, and he is Trying to Creeping. sneak his little, <laughs> yeah, sneak his little mystery man out the door, and when he turns around, Emmett turns on the light, and he's sitting there with his cake. <laughs> I got one question though. So Emmett chose to be nosy instead of get him a piece. For I wonder. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. <laughs> or did he put it on him so good he put him to sleep? Now and that now could he be his it. Dessert. That you could, know, so that I mean, could or, be. And we're going to need some questions. Okay, <laughs> Peter Page. Where is the usher? Where is he at? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe he got him on pause until he's like, let me talk to my roommate right yeah. quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> that or... <laughs> part. Okay. <laughs> but that is a good question. What happened to the usher? I'm like, okay, I'm nosy, but I ain't that damn nosy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You got to handle your business yes, before you. absolutely. Go get in your roommate's business. <laughs> yeah. That part. Uh, okay. And so basically, Michael has been caught. (laughs) (laughs) Then over at Lindsay and Melanie's house, um, Lindsay's on the phone with her mom and her mom is giving her the business. She cannot believe Mm. the audacity of Lindsay to flaunt her lifestyle, to to steal Lynette's thunder, you know, and propose. What thunder? Girl! You, you, that's a flash of lightning. It's your third wedding. There was no damn thunder. For real. We've been there, done that. We yeah. all this. Yeah. Even it. Lindsay was like Day. talking about the digression of the presence. Like it used to be Pottery Barn. Now she gets big cute. Yeah, you that <laughs> shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Lindsay's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. And she hangs up. And then she, so Melanie's like, oh, you know, that's probably what they expect, what we expected to hear from your mom, from your parents. And Lindsay, Reminds her that, hey, you didn't answer me. When I asked mm-hmm. you to marry me, you didn't answer me. And Melanie's like, well, you were joking. And then Lindsay says, no, I was serious. 
Uh, to which Mel responds, hey, you know how I feel about marriage, like about, about weddings. Like in my mind, we're already married. We already have a marriage. We have a family. This is good. This is fine. We don't need that other part. Do you feel like Melanie was a little dismissive of Lindsay that she wrote it off as just her high emotions? No, or- I, I don't. Because I told you in that scene, I can connect. I don't want you to think that I'm just always on Melanie's team. So I'll just make that be clear. <laughs> But, no, because when Melanie's wrong, we point out that yeah, Melanie's wrong. Yeah, we do. I got no problem doing but, that. But um, I can relate to that. It kind of goes like, um, it, it's like, if it's not broken, why fix it? You mm-hmm. know? Um, I don't need a certificate that's gonna, that to tell me that I love you and that I should do right by you. I know that from, you know, just loving you and being with you every day. I don't need a fifty to to $100,000 party. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For my friends. To, for me to show you how much I love you, you know, like I, I just, me personally, I don't need that. I have never aspired to be married. I aspired to be in relationships, um, but I've never thought that, oh, I just, I need to be married to make me feel content and to make me feel happy and complete. I don't need that, you know? Well, and to you, I'm sure the commitment feels just the same. Yeah, and it feels the yeah. same. I mean, it really does. I, I feel like it's what you feel in your heart. When you start when you start basing everything on how much, uh, I need a ring. And then, then the next question is, well, how much is the ring going to be? It can't be this, this, and mm-hmm. that. It has to be X amount of character, X mm-hmm. amount of dollars. And it's like we need yeah. external validation to validate what we already yeah. know and feel. Exactly. Yeah, for some people, they don't need that. And that's I what don't Melanie like says. that aspect yeah. of it. So, no, I don't want that. If I did even get married, I would just want the courthouse way. And that's not because I'm a, I'm a cheap person, because I'm not. I'm very lavish. But, <laughs> he is yeah. very bougie. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Good bougie, though. Not like, yeah. not, not like Melanie's parents. I mean, not like Lindsay Perrin's bougie. No, no, no. Not Good like bougie, that. Though, but yeah. I mean, very lavish. But I just want, you know, something intimate. Let's just go to the courthouse, you know. Something that's between you and yeah, that person. That's yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Maybe have my mama there. You know, no, no, maybe. Have my mama there. Yeah. And then boom, that's it. That's all I need. I don't need the big party and all that. Woo woo. I don't need that. Well, that's what Lindsay said. She says, I'm sorry, that's Melanie says, so, yes, yeah, yeah. like what you were saying. She's like, hey, we already know what this is between us. I'm committed to this. You're committed to this, despite our bumps in the road yeah. that they had. <laughs> she says, you know, we're fine. In my mind, we are married. And, you know, in season one, when you would call her her wife, wife. I would always stop you. Yeah. But that's just because I knew that this proposal was mm. coming up. And I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't have stopped him because that they feel like in their mind they're married and so i was like well maybe i shouldn't have been stopping you from saying calling her her wife and the only reason why i did is because they kept talking about how long they had been together yeah and in my situation you know brad and i have been together for forever and a day yeah so i was just like i mean like I don't, i'm not legally married but hell i'm married yeah okay <laughs> i mean in my mind y'all are married yeah like i'm married <laughs> yeah. I, I, tell me otherwise okay uh-huh. So I was, I was just doing that for them. It was a habit uh, uh, for me. Yeah. I mean, if it was something fresh, I don't know. That, that's how yeah. that's how and I, that's I guess I, I should point that out. I wasn't trying to invalidate what they have. It's just I knew this proposal was coming. And so that's why I was saying that. She always hides stuff from me, y'all. <laughs> okay. Which yeah. is good. It's good. Yeah. So in my hiding, I was trying to keep it. It wasn't to say, like, I don't think that they're married or they're committed to each other. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go first stick my foot in my mouth. <laughs> uh, so... Over at Emma's apartment, again, Ted has come over, and, and Michael is there, of course. And uh, Emma's centerpiece from the wedding is there on the coffee table. <laughs> but, but anyway, Emmett, they're talking, and Emmett makes a comment that reminds Michael, like, hey, I saw what you were doing last night. And Ted picks up on that. And then Emmett starts going through the rules of monogamy. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, they're, you know, these extra marital um qualifiers or whatever it's like oh if you're this distance away for this amount of nights you can do this <laughs> and um, i mean i guess you know every relationship does have its own rules that's, that's what true, emma though. says and i think that that is true 
Um, but we also know Michael and we're like, mm, that's not I Michael. don't think that's Michael. No. And so true enough, Michael says, we broke up. And he says, David and I are over. Girl, my heart dropped. Cause you know, <laughs> I know that how you much did. I love that couple. Yeah. My heart was broken. And I was just like, hold up. No, wait a minute. He said it again. Come again. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. Yeah, and then Emmett's like, okay, y'all broke up. That's fine, whatever, y'all broke up. But then he's like, why didn't you tell us? Like, you showed up at Babylon last night saying you're here for a visit because they were off camping or whatever. And like, why did you tell us the truth? Why didn't you say what was happening? And Michael says, well, I was going to, but he says there's never a right time to admit that you failed. And I think, you know, unfortunately, that is how it feels. Like, sometimes people get into, be it a relationship or a career or something else, they get into it and it doesn't work out. It doesn't go the way they thought it would. And they're ashamed or embarrassed to tell their friends or family because mm-hmm. like I failed at this and it's like, it didn't work out. That's fine. It's or okay. They'll stay in something that's horrible for them. That's what I meant. The yeah. fear of failing. You right. Know? That's so, you. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Cause you're like, well, I don't want to have to admit, admit mm-hmm. defeat on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, you know, you don't want to talk about that when a person you loved or someone you thought you loved. And I think that's a very important that clarification that Michael makes. Yeah. He thought that he loved David. And I think it was the idea of David and that being his first serious relationship. And, and everybody in his corner was pushing, like his mama pushing him. Right. Um, his mom was pushing him. Emmett was pushing him. Ted was pushing him. Right. Hey, and they it, weren't it, it, really it, looking at, is yeah. this the best situation? I think you talked about that in one episode. Like, they weren't really saying, is this really the best pairing for him, the right. best man for yeah. him? But they just kept pushing him. Like, yes, why wouldn't it mm-hmm. be? It's He's great. a doctor. He has his house. He mm-hmm. loves you. He showers you in gifts. He takes care of you. Yeah. It's more to that, okay? Right. Does he really get me? Does he know my personality? Is he understanding? Is he listening to me? And, oh, no, he was not. Yeah. <laughs> It all just rolled so fast. Remember, mm-hmm. like they met, and then like a couple, maybe in. a couple weeks later, yeah. they moved in together. And then like Michael was being a mini—I don't know who he thought he was being—you know, he was just trying to morph into Doctor David's life. And then the whole thing with the, Hank came up, and, and then so, the baths. I mean, yeah. they experienced a lot in short in six months. Yeah. They'd only been together for six months, and within those six months, I mean, they had done a lot. Yeah. as a couple. Uh, so yeah, that relationship just moved really fast, and I and I'm not I'm not excusing Michael because I think too many people make excuses for Michael sometimes, but I don't think that he really took the time, or maybe he didn't know that he needed to take the time to really think about what he was doing. And but how he fast did it was though; moving. he took the time. David asked him to move in. He That's said true. no, and so he and said he, no. he he took the time and thought about it, you know. And I guess he weighed out the pros and the cons or whatever the yeah. case, and he decided he wanted to move well, forward. And I think they had a good run. It was just sometimes David would just be overbearing. He would never let Michael be yeah. Michael. I don't know? think that they were the right fit, fit for each other. They could yeah. be good friends. Because Doc- David did some things that were very annoying that I definitely could not have dealt with. Like that controlling, that it's always me my way or the highway. And just kind of like bulldozed over him and just made all these decisions without his input. What got me was the fact when he had the whole house picked up. Now, nobody wants to pack a house when you're moving. For real. No one wants to do that. <laughs> I'm but the first damn. one to let somebody else yeah, pack me my too. house. But you didn't even ask me yeah. what did I want to take with me. Mm-hmm. And after we get off this, the way when Michael breaks down and says the reason why they broke up, I'm here for Michael on that. Because yeah. I feel like it was 100% accurate. Yeah, and we're fixing to get there. But you made me think of something like, David does everything like and so really the only thing Michael is there for sex. is is sex. Mm-hmm. Is what it seems like and it's just like I that's not the kind of relationship I want, you know? Yeah. Um and I I, I if I'm speaking for Michael, you know, it's not the kind of relationship I think that he wants. 
And so I think he got into it and realized, like, is this what this relationship right. is going to be? Like, well, if I'm it not going to go no, 30 years with this, this person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> let, me, let me move on. So here he is in Portland. And what he tells uh, Emmett and, um, Ted? and Ted about his time in Portland, he says, I blew it. I complained. Uh, I accused David of because I had no friends. I couldn't find a job. Like basically, he was miserable out there. He did he did not have a life there separate from David and Hank, I mm-hmm. guess. And so he says I accused David of being uh, thoughtless. Selfish. Yeah, and I accused him that he didn't care. He wouldn't. And he says if I'd have known it was going to be like this, I wouldn't have come. And basically, Doctor David told him, "Well, then go home, Michael. If that's yeah. how you feel. Go home." And that go home hit hard. Yeah. Michael's face really looked tore up when yeah. he hit that go home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and the fact that David wouldn't even fight for him. Like, if I really packed up all my shit and moved across the country, like, you know, they're far, they're on the East Coast. And then Portland, is that West? Like, yeah. is that considered West or Midwest? Toward the that? West. Yeah, towards the West. <laughs> over there. You yeah. Know a few states over. A lot of states over. Okay. Yeah. If I picked up everything and left my job, my family, I mean, what are you going to do for work now? Go back to the big Q and beg for his management position back? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, what? If I, I did that and then you just not even going to fight for me in a month? Yeah. And just be like, go home, Michael. Go. Instead of saying, no, baby, listen, I'm sorry. Things going to change. I'm getting my feet wet out here. I mean, it's brand new for me. It's brand new for you. We're going to get you some friends. We're going to He didn't yeah. do none of that. Yeah. Give it time. And then you have to ask, did Michael really give it enough time? Because it's only been a couple weeks. Well, we all know Michael is a big baby. So, no, he's a crybaby. Okay. <laughs> so, no, he didn't so give it enough time. So, maybe he didn't give it the right amount of time. Uh, but I can see him I pouting. I had to slip that in there. I know. I can see him, like, on day two, yeah. like, oh, and it's not working out. Yeah. And stomping up the stairs and shit and just staring at Captain Astro. Yeah. Can, Sitting there like eating is is Captain Crush cereal yeah. with, with that spoon holding like a shovel, like a two-year-old. Oh, oh Michael. Like, why are you eating it like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god. anyway, so I do like what Ted tells him. He uh says, you know, as for coming home, that's what it's here for. And I think that's so important. Like, mm-hmm. That is what home is there for. And it's like, it hey, is. we're not here to, to to laugh at you and make jokes at your exp- expense. And maybe they'll do that eventually because that's just <laughs> how they are with each other. But he's like, no, that's what home is for. It's for a place for you to come. If that didn't work out, okay, that's fine. Come home. That's what it's here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll say this. And usually we don't do this because we like to keep it in the show, keep it in this world, and we like to keep it cute. But... Uh, I'll give you just like a little bit. So apparently, the actor who pl- who played David mm-hmm. had some object- objections to playing a gay character and asked to be released from the show. Shut up! Yeah. Oh my I god! Mean, so that's why said he- some stuff that would make you probably want to smack him around. You lying? <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so. So that could be the reason why oh, the breakup happened. Yeah, that yeah. they wrote him out and the breakup happened kind of off camera. But still, I think even if that wasn't the case, looking at how that relationship was, I do think that it, it was, was going right to end anyway. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was not. It wasn't going to be for the long haul yeah. at all. I mean, no one's going to put up with that unless you want it to be a little trophy right. baby. Because even from the start, because even if he he asked him that in the middle of the season, even from the start, the way that those two characters are written, it wasn't going to be. I didn't think it was going to be forever for right. me. Right. So. Absolutely. But anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. But okay, we're going to bring it back in. We're going to keep it cute. <laughs> but I can see you fuming. Girl. Yeah, His we're head gonna keep is it just cute. shaking. His fist is balls. Because you know I had, I, I, 
let's just keep it cute. We're gonna yeah. move on. We'll, we we'll, move on. we'll talk off let's, camera. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So then we're at the courtroom, and oh, now now I'm upset because we got to this scene. So we go to the courtroom with this excuse of a judge. And as he's talking, he's saying basically, you know, I can only imagine what it was like for poor Chris Hobbs girl, to be approached right sexually. There. Did you? How many times did I hit the pause button? Like, girl, many. What, what is he doing? What is this judge saying? I wanted to reach through, yeah, and like rip out his trachea because like, basically Chris Hobbs' defense was, well, Justin, we were in the room together, and Justin came in there and, and put his hands on me and touched, and I was confused, and I felt basically. I mean, of course, he didn't yeah. say those words, but basically, that's his defense. I know Justin came on to me. Now, not that you you were the one talking about sexual things to start with, yes. and then when he reached over, you'd made no attempt to stop him. That you are part. bigger than Justin, yeah, and you you're fucking Chris Hobbs. Why wouldn't you stop him? Right. What if you, you didn't want? want his hands on you, all yeah. you do, hey, stop. You, Justin's not a predator yeah, like that. You all you do is say bullying. stop. You've yeah. been bullying the, everybody in the school. Right. So since when did you get bullied by the gay person? Right. The one that's openly gay that everybody's attacking. When you got bullied by him, now you're looking weak, okay? And where, where was Justin's defense when they said, why didn't they talk about him coming to live in the, at Liberty Avenue and right. coming there? If you had such an issue of being gay or the gay community, why be up in their area causing trouble with a gang of people behind you. I'm okay? almost convinced that Justin's attorney, the defense, the, um, was sorry, working the prosecution with the other one. was paid off or something. Paid yeah, the I'm the almost convinced off. of it. And yeah. this judge, uh, girl, yeah, go, well, go. Well, because even yeah. on top mm. of that, he talks about, well, and then also there was this highly provocative dance, provocative dance, talking about the, yeah, dance, the dance, dance between, like, excuse you. I know. No, it, it was, no, he's acting like, acting like they're out there bumping and grinding on that the dance floor, and they were not. That it was, was very like, tasteful. It the was. only way that we saw, reason we saw it as intimate was because we know these two people and we know how mm -hmm. important that was. Yeah, and the way they were staring at it. And just, they were just staring. It was like someone getting married and they're doing their wedding dance. Right. And then, or it was like Cinderella dancing with the prince. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it was a perfect moment. It was nothing distasteful about that moment. And then moment. he's like, well, and he had been drinking, which he shouldn't have been doing, but I could see illegal. why he, I could see why he might lose control. Lose freaking control. Control? He, Are he you went, kidding that's me? That's premeditated. He went and got a fucking bat. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Listen. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So then he, as he's about to make the ruling, the sentence, do give the sentence, uh, he says, you know, we're going to recess for 10 minutes and then we'll come back. And so that's what Melanie tells us about him being his uh, nickname, Regular Roy, because every day at 1215, he goes to the bathroom and has a smoke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so as the camera is uh, painting over them, we see most of the Liberty Avenue gang is sitting there together on the bench, and then Brian's behind them, and he is dressed. He's in a he's in a black uh, a black suit with a black tie, and so I don't know. And just, I look at them, and like some of the, maybe it's Lindsay or Melanie. One of them has like spaghetti straps, and then Debbie Debbie's always vibrant. You know, oh, they're just kind of like them. They're normal selves, but Brian, like, there's a stark contrast with what I see with how he, mm -hmm. you know. And so I don't know if it's because he was on the witness stand, but this is just sentencing, so they wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been on the stand. Well, depending on how the hearing goes. And did you see how meek he looked? Normally yeah. he he controls a room. You know, yeah. he he gets all the attention. He was small, right. in that seat. Yeah, he was behind them. Yeah. Like usually he would be in front, front of them row. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's behind them, kind of tucked away on this row of strangers, and yeah, it was uh, all of this is I'm yeah. all, I'm upset. But anyway, the court scene just messed okay. me up. So, uh, so yeah, Chris Hobbs pled guilty. Which how could he not? Yeah. I mean, anyway. 
Anyway, uh, but the judge is saying, well, because he pled guilty and because of his young age and he has no record and he was unduly provoked. And I just want to throw everything in here at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that part. OK, yeah. no, for real. I mean, I just I, 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 I can't. So he get his sentence is 500 hours of community service and two years of probation. That's so well, nearly He accidentally didn't kill Justin. Accidentally basically. didn't kill this yeah. man. One inch over to the left, he would have been done or right. a vegetable for yeah, life. Yeah, that's what Justin said. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like, come on now. And he has a smirk on his face. I just can't stand. Why did you let me like Chris Hobbs? Why did <laughs> you let me you, like I Chris Hobbs? I couldn't spoil it for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so irritated. Yeah. but um, And then what is so... It's so frustrating in this show, but it's even what really gets my blood boiling is knowing that this kind of crap, this kind of crap sentencing happens in real life Mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah, it happens in real life. Yep. And I think that's what really, really, really gets me. But I will say, I'm happy now that we are in 2021 because, I mean, it's. They're more active and actually, yeah. you know, catching the criminals to doing the gay bashing. Now it's considered a hate crime. Then in the early 2000s, 99, early 2000s, I mean, we were, you know, the outcasts. Right. You know, we didn't have anybody protecting us and looking There are more people us. standing up yeah. now and speaking on things exactly. and like saying, hey, news, you're not reporting Thank this. You. This is happening. And we have our own phones now with cameras on right. them that we can go live and take pictures and videos and get awareness out and things of that nature. So we, we, we no longer have to depend on the major media sources or, you know, the right. traditional outlets to get information out. Now yeah. we can, we're more active our own well, and it's bringing and awareness. And it's so crazy how much just like, society and social media has done to bring about justice mm-hmm. when the the legal system and the law the law um, in place doesn't do that you right. know if it's okay somebody said something or they attacked somebody at work and then they were just going to let it go you know the police didn't get involved or whatever but people made an issue like hey no this happened at this company and so mm-hmm. then that company has to take action even if it's not sincere action they say okay we have to terminate this person because we can't tolerate violence or whatever and so yeah, unfortunately, we just had to find back channels to, yeah. to deal with things. Uh, but anyway, okay, let me move on because I get very <laughs> uh, upset. <laughs> and speaking of being upset about this kind of crap, outside of the courthouse, Debbie is there and she is irate. I love her. And not just for Justin. I think it's for all of the victims for of justice. senseless violence. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, she knows this is going to continue. Yeah. If if Chris was able to get off of this, the next person uh, potentially could get off right, of this. Right, exactly, exactly. It's going to be a cycle. And if we're not taking any type of right steps to get the correct justice that's needed, yeah, he got some fucking, what, two years probation? He got five years community service. That his, He's rich. He's going to pay that off. He ain't going to do no community service yeah. at all. And he doesn't give a damn about no damn um, probation at all. So... He got no, off. because he's not typically a. I mean, that he was drinking underage, but he's not typically doing a bunch of crimes. And he you only know, to get caught. Yeah, so. and he only got caught drinking because he got pushed because, down and went to jail yes. because he beat somebody up and got caught. So, so he, he anyway, caught, yeah, <laughs> so Michael is so, trying. They're trying to calm Debbie down, and Michael is telling her, well, "We're going to march. We're going to protest." And then it immediately cuts to Brian with the loft, and he's like, "BS, BS," because he's like, you know. People have been trying to do that, and that doesn't make a difference at all. And I don't, and it looks like cynical, like he doesn't care, but it's just, uh, he's frustrated in his own way. Just like yeah. Debbie was frustrated, he's frustrated in his own way, and saying, like, we tried to do all these things to make a difference, and none of it has mattered. He's just exhausted. I think that's where he's he's from. giving yeah. up. You yeah. Know, he lost all hope. Yeah, but we see while he's there, he is reading a book. <laughs> and yet again, he is annoyed with Michael because, you know, Michael's there with him. 
And uh, he t- finally asks Michael, when are you going back? And then Michael says, I'm not. And then Brian says, I know. Uh, because Brian knew it wouldn't work out. And he says that. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew it wouldn't work. Like, Brian said that early on when Debbie was telling him, like, get out of Michael's way so he can go be with Debbie. He's yep. like, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But he was like, okay, fine. I'll get out of his way. But and even with Brian knowing that, he still was like, fine, go go be with David yeah. or do or don't or whatever. Go to Portland or don't, whatever. <laughs> you know? Um, but he, you know, he is not surprised. He knew it wasn't going to work out because he knows Michael and he also saw... Him and David are not a good fit. Right, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people... Brian was the only person who could actually look past David's um, career occupation title. Yeah. And, you know, the big house and the money. Because Brian has a great loft, money himself. He's successful. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he was like, I'm on the same tier and I'm young. Yeah. Um, So he could look past David where Ted... Very, you know, always looking for someone special. Emmett definitely looks for someone special. And Debbie wanted Michael to be with a, a doctor who had money that could take care of him. So they were all just trying to push, push, push. But Brian could see, yo, you're not going to, you don't, you're not going to meet Michael the way Michael need his needs met. Right. You know, exactly. You're not going to connect with him the way. Yes, you can connect with him sexually. You can connect with him financially. But when it comes to your mental. And they just, right, exactly. And they just don't have life in common. Not to say that opposites can't attract. And, you know, sometimes it's a good challenge to have somebody who, where you don't have a lot in common with, but they had so little Mm -hmm. in in common. And yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. Brian knew that David was not going to be able to meet him emotionally and, you know, all these other ways that he needed to be met to be in a successful relationship. But yeah, so Michael tells him, you know, basically, yeah, I'm back sort of because i don't really know where i belong and brian grabs his wrist and he pulls him in and he kisses him oh it makes me mad when they do that i know i was like (laughs) stop that but anyway that is brian offering his version of comfort and telling him like this is where you belong like not necessarily here with me but but home is so it's what ted said but of course brian has to do it in the brian michael way (laughs) (laughs) so it's like home is where you belong at least for now home is where you belong uh so while michael is leaning over hoping that that kiss resumes or (laughs) goes on a little bit longer he sees that brian is reading their old chemistry book and brian's like oh yeah it's a new client you know that we have uh just kind of dismisses it but then we go over (laughs) to the courthouse and we see regular roy (laughs) in the bathroom and uh he's having some trouble getting up from that that seat (laughs) His ass deserves, <laughs> literally, his ass deserves that, okay? Yes. Uh, for God. 14 hours, he was stuck there. <laughs> yeah. God. And then the news reporter says, like, as uh, the guys are at Woody's watching this on the news, the news reporter says, well, he was unharmed but badly shaken. Like, I don't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> right. I hope all the skin just peeled off his ass. <laughs> I do. I hope it was stuck there. I hope he got the, they had to take the little actual seat part and unscrew it and take him to the hospital and surgically remove it. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but like I said, we're over at Woody's and um, they're watching this and they're like, I wonder, they're laughing and joking. They're like, I wonder who did this. And Michael has a light bulb moment and he's like, mm, I know exactly mm-hmm. who did this. <laughs> yeah, that's why Brian had that <laughs> chemistry book out. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Which, you know, I like that. Seeing him, he's like, I'm going to get my own form of yeah. justice. Because he does care. Because uh, he was there. He witnessed this. He knows this has nothing to do with no provocative dance, no poor Chris Hobbs. No, mm-hmm. He knows exactly what, you know, what motivated that, that action from, from Chris Hobbs. And so he's like, 
I got to find some kind of, if I'm going to be able to live with this, I got to find some True. kind of way to get and, and at least I, a piece of justice. I mentioned this earlier, but I just want to say it again, too, because um, after, you know, we discovered it was actually Brian who put the gooey stuff on the um, the seat. He does things and doesn't do it for any recognition. Exactly. I mean, that's why I fuck with him. Like, I can rock with him. Yeah. Because he didn't even confirm it with Michael. He didn't he he did just smile Michael and give him a he smirk. Didn't, yeah. That was he it. Like, the subject, yeah. He didn't even confirm it at all. He is out here making moves and it's not checking for, you know, like, I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need a thank you. Yeah. I don't need a, oh, you're so kind. You're so thoughtful. He don't need that. He didn't even tell anyone, mm-hmm. you know, like didn't tell anyone at all. If you Michael didn't know him, no one would have known. Right. Yeah. Michael didn't see him with that chemistry book and just kind of put two and two together. Yeah. Nobody at all would have known. And yeah, I like you said, I love that about him because it wasn't about that for him like this was a personal thing mm-hmm. <laughs> he defines a personal justice for him and i think by extension justin too yeah, like, no, i sure. can do right by him in this way and yeah. he doesn't even tell justin that he, he didn't that, that he did and he did do did. right by justin because justin didn't get justice right so he took you know instead of killing the guy or you know risking him going to jail jail you know he got some justice like i can be a pain in your ass too you was a yeah. pain in mine i'm, be a pain mm-hmm. in yours, I'm so. gonna find some kind of way yeah, yeah. Uh, so speaking of Justin, we go over to Jennifer's condo because remember she had to move because her and awful Craig Taylor are divorcing. And so Justin is there and he's practicing with Brian and Daphne. And I love the three of them together. I love the Mm -hmm. two of them. there helping and supporting Justin and Justin's basically telling him like, you know, I'm glad I didn't go because I knew it was going to be, I knew that was going to be the outcome Mm -hmm. at the hearing. It was going to be something like that. And they're practicing with the ball and Daphne's encouraging him. She's like, yeah, that was good. That was a good mm-hmm. one, Justin. And Because he's struggling and they're like, it's okay. Brian's even being patient with him. He's not being like, quit being a little girl or whatever. He's being patient with him and trying to motivate and encourage him. And uh, then uh, Jennifer pulls up and they're just like, hi, mom. And Daphne says, hi. And then Brian says, hello, Mrs. Taylor. No response. Uh, well, then she oh, says, Justin. Uh, yeah, yeah she's. I think you. I think you should go go in and rest. What she tells Justin, uh, and Justin's like, I'm fine. And she's, I want to speak to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin looks at Brian, and Brian gives him a look like, It's, it's okay. Cool. It's cool. I'll survive. And so Daphne and Justin go in, and Jennifer starts out. She tells him, you know, the doctor says that she never saw such. He never saw such a determined patient in. The doctor was asking, you know, what is it that makes him work so hard? And she's like, I didn't say it, but I basically I knew that it was you. I knew mm-hmm. that you were the one on his mind when he was working that hard to try to get better so he could get out of there. And um, and then she says, like, I knew it was you even if I didn't, even if I didn't say it. Just like uh, he doesn't know that you were there every every single night mm-hmm. at the hospital because a nurse told her that. And um, she says, thank you. For doing that but he's home now so you don't have to watch over him anymore uh you can leave and i want you to never see him again yeah and yeah lots of stuff get with me that ready. i know get i see you ready. over there getting riled up get but uh, then brian i love this part and it's so it's heartbreaking but i love it brian says i care about him and this is like the first time ever. that he has ever defended himself yes. fought for himself and fought for his relationship for just for just yeah for i'm using relationship in a loose term but no, no, i get it yeah but but yeah he uh, never showed he never tells anyone exactly that, um, he never explained his love proclaims his love for or you know but some type of affection basically the equivalent of that phrase yeah. <laughs> like by saying i care about him knowing for brian like 
if he says, oh, it's all right, that means it's probably, it's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you have to like use this phrase the same as I care about him. And that is he, for him to be able to admit that, to admit that to Justin's mom and to say that, to fight for his right to be able to see Justin yeah. still. And like, not just like I have a right to, but I want to because I care about yeah. That's why I was there every night. I needed to know that he was okay. Mm-hmm. I needed, he really was watching over him. Like when we saw him looking at Justin, I feel like that's, he felt that protector role yeah. again, even though he didn't like he was doing anything and it was no good and he was worth, worthless and useless. There was still something in him that it just felt natural to watch over Justin. So right. I like that they did use that phrase here when Jennifer's like, you don't have to watch over him anymore. Uh, but anyway, so after he says, I care about him, Jennifer says, well, it's because of you that this happened. And I'm like, mm, Jennifer. Girl, mm. My, my boil, my blood boils. Okay, we're going to get there. And then she says, if you care about him, and then she even struggles to say, and I believe you do, uh, and not struggles and like she doesn't want to admit that. It's just she knows how true that is, and she knows that what she's asking of him is probably hard, but she still feels like she has to ask it. And uh, she says, if you so if you care about him, and I believe you do, then do what I ask and return my son to me. And, oh, Jennifer. And so Brian just <sighs> turns and you know, hands her the the ball back uh, because he's going to leave. And so he does. He goes back to to the Jeep. Okay, let me finish out this scene. Then we got to come back and talk about Jennifer. So he leaves and he goes and gets in the Jeep. And then as he's doing that, he glances quickly and we see these two kids throwing a ball, doing something just as simple as tossing it while Justin is struggling with that. But I feel like there's a lot of innocence there and a lot of the simplicity that we see that is something that has been stolen from from Justin and almost in some ways Brian. Mm-hmm. Like the one chance that he dared to risk to take a risk, you know, to hope, mm-hmm. you know, to try to act on his feelings towards someone, it just ended uh in the innocence of that was was stolen. And so anyway, okay, let's go back. No. Talk about Jennifer. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to pick uh, okay. For one, Jennifer, she's overstepping her bounds, okay? Really? You cannot speak for Justin. When Justin finds out that you actually told Brian to leave him alone and don't come back over here to check up on him, you have just created World War Three for, for yourself, okay? <laughs> like, you do not tell Justin yeah. that he cannot see Brian Kinney. Period, okay? <laughs> yeah. You already know his love. How dare you even Brian put your Kinney lips Brian Kinney cannot that. tell Justin Taylor that he can't see Brian Kinney. <laughs> Thank you, okay? This boy got fake IDs showing up everywhere, okay? So yeah. that's, that's one right there. Two... You have taken 30 steps back on all those strides yeah. you were making, oh, getting Jennifer. close to the community, getting close to Justin and understanding Justin. Because if you understood Justin, then you should know that his love runs deep. Even if Brian doesn't say, I, I, I love you, Justin loves him. Right. So you need to be there for your son. You pushing someone that he loves away is only creating animosity between you and your son who needs you the most right now. But he is going to leave your ass because clearly you still don't even understand who he is and what he wants. And then three, you're going to blame Brian for for um, getting Justin attacked? Right. No, this is all Chris, Hob- Chris Hobbs' fault. Right. Has nothing Brian to do with Brian. Brian is a victim in this, too. Brian like we said, just witnessing this yeah. is, yeah, is traumatic. Girl, no, got me over here yelling. Got my pressure all up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Y'all ain't got no pressures. But still, <laughs> stop 
pointing, putting the blame on Brian. Yeah. Like you said, he's a damn victim himself. Mm-hmm. And also, he saved your son's life, okay? He could have let Chris stand there and he could have been in shock and just stood there. How many times How many times you hear about people witnessing something so terrifying and violent like that? They can't even move. They're frozen. Yeah. If he would have just been frozen, he got out of the truck. Chris could have turned around and swung that bat and knocked the hell out of him. He put his life Who in jeopardy. Who is to say Chris wouldn't have done this regardless? Thank That's you. What, nobody's talking about that. He followed him out of the whole time. Like we pointed this out when we covered that episode, the whole time before Brian even got there, he was on his he ass. He was looking yeah. bothered by Justin, he and was. he was just dancing with Daphne and De- at that Justin point. Was, his so date was who Daphne. is to say Chris Hobbs didn't have this plan and was going to planned and was going to do it regardless? And so for you to just say this is on you, Brian. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, and it's like you said, Jennifer took. And I love Jennifer, but she took some steps back yeah. here, and I was very disappointed with her. And I understand because it's her child, and he almost lost his life, and that is a huge blow to a parent. That's yeah. traumatic for a parent to go through. And so I understand that, but it's just like, and I understand a lot of what Jennifer's doing, even in season one when she was kind of misstepping and fumbling things, it was trying to protect her son, but... Like you said, you you have definitely overstepped, and you're placing blame where it doesn't belong. Exactly by doing you know. by doing this. And Justin is now 18. He is no longer 17. He can make his own decisions, right. and he sh- you should have given him the option to say, "Hey, mom, I'm done with Brian," you know, right. or whatever the case. But he's not. So you should have never made those assumptions and had that conversation without him even being present. And when what are you going to tell him that Brian left? As if Brian ain't going to tell him. Or when Brian does tell him or just get real standoffish, what you, what's going to happen is Brian's not going to show up. Brian's not going to show up again or whatever. He's not going to answer any calls or text. Oh, there ain't no text. But no calls. And um, Justin going to go find him. Okay, he's going to be out and about going to find him. And then Brian's going to tell him, well, listen, it's my fault. Your mom told me to stay away. And now it's over. It's over for you, Jennifer. Yeah. Over yeah, for you. That was a bad, bad move on Jennifer's part. Like I said, I understand why she feels that, that way. But that was a bad, bad move on her Terrible part. And, move. and if anything, recovery ought to be paramount right now. So whatever Justin needs to recover... And if just whether it, this is good for him or not, if Justin feels like he needs Brian to recover, then, then you gotta let him, him have that. Yeah. yeah, you can try to control it or, or limit it or whatever, but you whatever he needs to recover, you see that your son is trying to be okay, even if he's pretending. And maybe in the long run that wouldn't be helpful. This is still early on. He's trying to be okay. This is something that's important to him. And so, yeah. Ooh, Jennifer. Yeah, I was very disappointed. As you know, I was a fan of Jennifer's too. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I was so happy. Like, okay, she's stepping up to the plate. She recognized her son. Is she going to be there for him? And like, forget her old stank-ass husband, you know, <laughs> or ex-husband, we should say. And, um, but yeah, now, Jennifer, I'm giving you the straight side eye. For real. Okay, straight Jennifer, side Jennifer, you better eye. try to get it together soon. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I don't. Uh, but anyway, this has been uh, the first episode yeah. of season two in... Man, what a way to start things Yo, off. Yo, they came out guns blazing. They was not playing with it, okay? They really did. I mean, God, normally people lead you in. You know, the first episode is normally like, oh, it was good to have them back. Yeah. You know, this was like, oh my God, damn, what? I know. They <laughs> set up a whole lot that they're going to have to unpack so throughout this season. So they have to keep that same momentum going throughout this whole season, though, because it's they set the bar one. with this first episode. It's a really so good season. It was like, Wow. Well, guys, we are so happy to be back, you know, so this is season two of Liberty Diner Dish. And like we say, always 
now that now that our listeners, you definitely subscribe. You have liked, you have commented. Get word out. You know, we yeah. love doing this. We love talking to people. We love um we have all have the same passion for queerest folk. And you know, the end goal is to get us a season six on. So I mean, let's spread the word. You know, you guys should be sharing, you know, getting us out there and just keeping this conversation going. And if you really do enjoy our content, then definitely like, share, comment, and subscribe. And until always until next time, like we always say, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.